Yeah, so um, it's really nice just to worship as well, like people have been saying. It's great to be able to come into the presence of God and praise Him and, and hear from Him and have a message in tongues as well. That's just really excellent to have God speaking. Uh, I was uh, here for a few years. It was a great time of healing uh, for my life, being in this church. It was a great time of restoration. Uh, I'd been pastoring for a while, and I came down and did some teaching at the local uh, theological college, and I'm back pastoring a church at King's Cross now. Uh, and uh, Sue's, uh, Sue's now in charge, of course, of lots of different things. So she's running things today, which is why she's not here. Uh, and um, we, uh, our young adults and student group have gone away this weekend as well. So they have a retreat uh, this weekend. I was there yesterday. So there's about 20, 25 of them away, which is wonderful. And we're just trying to do different things in the, in the neighborhood. We're also uh, trying to expand into different uh, services. We're going to plant, well, we're praying about whether to plant another congregation in the area, uh, just asking for God's guidance on that. We've been doing some experiments with that in the last uh, few months since Christmas, and we're just waiting on God just to confirm or not whether we should do that. And um, just kind of going forwards in terms of ministry to homeless people, homelessness has increased in London by about 30% in about a year. And um, where we are in, in central London, we've got a lot of the, uh, the people, the, the gentlemen and ladies uh, outside our church. There's a square there. and They kind of camp out on the steps of our church building and do illegal things uh, there. And um, we try and reach out to them as far as we can. So we're just kind of doing different things in the local neighborhood there. We've moved up into Islington ourselves, living on a council estate there. Uh, and it's quite an ad- exciting adventure. We've got a bunch of lads who, who uh, are on the stairs uh, just outside our door. And uh, in the evenings, we get the sweet smell of weed coming in through our front door. And uh, we've had to talk to them a few times. So I go out and uh, Sue says, you've got to do it. She says, Sue says, someone has got to do something. And, you know, it's just me, you know. So it's me. And uh, so I go out there and she wants me to tell them all off. And I, I just go out there and tell them about Jesus. And, and they run away anyway. So that's, you know. But we've got a little bit of relationship going with them. And it's kind of quite fun. So we're trying to just be Christians where we're living as well as uh, pastoring the church and uh, building up connections with other churches in the area. So uh, is that kind of... Is that right? Yeah, that's great to hear. No, no, you can say, you can say. Uh, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, go, go. Just, 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 just heckin'. Um, we, I think we actually done a direct, uh, a direct trade, Steve and Nigel today. So I think we've got a pretty good deal here. Uh, hopefully, he doesn't listen to the, um, the uh, preach online. Uh, yeah, can I just pray for you? Certainly. Lord, thank you uh, that we have Steve with us this morning. We just. Uh, Pray for him now, Lord, as he, he shares your word. Pray we uh, hear as a congregation from you what it, what it means to be church together, Lord. We thank you for all we've already seen in this service and just pray for, for more of your blessing and more of your, uh, your voice now, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Great. Well, um, I understand that uh, you began with Sam. Where is he? Is Sam on stage? Oh, he's down there. Hey, with Martha, yeah, okay. I haven't met Martha before, so that'd be a great experience. Hey, hello. And um, this new series on church, what it means to be church. And Sam kicked off, and he did say, listen to his sermon so I don't overlap with anything, but I, I didn't. So uh, this is a, I just got his notes here, and I'm just going to speak. No, I'm, I got another subject. He gave me a subject, which is a Greek word, ecclesia. <clears throat> so he's got... Come on. Hello. It's good to see you again. Good to see you. It's not Ecclesia, it's Ecclesia. Ecclesia. 
Ecclesia. Ah, okay. Okay. Ecclesia. Thank you. Um, Ecclesia. Um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, so, this is a Greek word for church, and so he's given me that to, to, to speak on, and I'm just going to go through what it means and how it connects with us. And obviously, I don't want to just give a bunch, bunch of theory. I want to kind of give what it means in practice as well, because you know the church is not just some theoretical body, some kind of super spiritual bunch of people. It's us, with all our faults, with all our failures and our inadequacies. We are the people of God, you know, like it or not. This is, this is what God's got to work with, you know, you and me, uh, which uh, sometimes makes me a little bit kind of negative, but uh, ooh, I shouldn't say that. Maybe nobody from my church will listen to this uh, sermon, we'll see. So I just want to talk about what it means to be ecclesia, and um, it's the Greek word for church, and we think about it as, as ecclesiastical, so ecclesiastical Costumes, you know, robes and all that kind of stuff. Ecclesiastical robes. I have a bit of a rant. I'm still teaching a little bit part-time at Spurgeon's. I have a bit of a rant in one of the classes I teach because uh, the word ordain, I don't know if you knew this, the word ordain comes from Latin. It's through the word ordo, which is like social classes. And so they had three classes in Rome. They had the, uh, the patricians, the equites, equal, the middle classes, and they had the plebs. And that's kind of you and me, really. Okay, we are we are the plebs. And um, what the priests, what the church leaders wanted to do, they wanted to be like high class, so they wanted to be ordained, ordo. They wanted to get the upper class status, and they started dressing in cl- clothes in gear that was the gear of upper class people. So the kind of robes which uh, priests wear in some of the traditional churches are modelled on the on the clothes of noblemen in Rome. So they would like be upper class, right? They wanted to be, hey, we're going to be top up, top up there with everyone else. So ordination meant, meant to, be, to be part of that, that system in the society. And we think of ecclesia as ecclesiastical robes or ecclesiastical buildings. There's even an ecclesiastical insurance company. We think of ecclesiastical, something to do with religion, something to do with, with kind of uh, churchy stuff. But the word ecclesia, ecclesia, uh, Originally, it meant something different. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong. She will. He will. Uh, he will. I know. Uh, I've had dinner at your house, so I know you will. Okay. Um, the ecclesia was the, the, the town assembly or the city. Yeah, he's nodding. Okay. okay, I'm on a roll. Okay. Um, it's the town assembly, the city assembly, where the citizens would come together to make decisions in Greece. So it's like a kind of basic kind of democracy because it was only blokes. I mean, I have to say that it was only men, so I'm sorry about that. But at that time, if you're if you're an adult male and not a slave as well, then you were able to go to the town council and make decisions. Particularly, for example, if they thought the, the government of the town had got corrupt and were taking bribes or doing bad things, you'd call an assembly and you'd hold them to account. That's what the ecclesia was. I think I'm quite good at Greek. I think we might do some Greek lessons. Um, and they'd be summoned to the meetings. A, a town crier, you know, we used to have town criers in Britain, and we have them still in some old market towns. And they have a little funny hat and red cloak, and they, they maybe they blow a trumpet, and they have a kind of thing, and they go, ho ye, ho ye, ho ye, come to the town square, 
because there's going to be a, sit, a town meeting, a city meeting where we're going to discuss some things. So they would send a town crier out around the tra- town telling people to come to the meeting, the ecclesia, uh, for deliberations, for discussion. That's what the ecclesia was. It was uh, from two Greek words, ek and kaleo. Ek mean out, kaleo means call. So there are people who are called out to meet together. They were called out to meet together to decide stuff to do with the town, to do with the, the politics of the town. And actually, there, there, some of them, not Athens, but some of the places, actually had a place where they would meet. They called it, I wrote it down, an, an, ah, agora, but, eklaterion. <laughs> I got an eklaterion. Also agora as well, but uh, eklaterion, so called out, where you're called out to a place to meet together to make decisions and to discuss what's going on in the business and the politics of the town. That is what the ecclesia was. It was nothing to do with religion. It was nothing to do with what we think of as praying and worshipping and singing songs and hearing the Bible expounded. It was a political meeting of the town where they would get together to sort out the town's business. We think of it as church, religion, but it wasn't originally And there are other words in the Bible like that. So think about the word for gospel, which in Greek is evangelion. Okay, what he said. And uh, we all know that that means good news. It means good news. You preach the good news. But what did it mean for the Greeks at that time? What did it mean then? We think of an evangelist, evangelion, what he said, as... uh, as someone stands on a pulpit like this, you know, so he stands up on the, here we go, stands up on the pulpit and he, he tells people what bad people they are and how they need to get saved, right? That's what an evangelist is. But in Greece, I had to get down here now. In Greece, they, they would send a, a crier out like for the ecclesia to meet. Or they would send a town crier out. If, if a king was coming to the town, the king would send somebody saying, get ready. Get stuff ready. If, if you've been in the army, I haven't, but uh, people tell me that before the general would come or royalty, they would paint the army base. They'd make it look good. If there were stones along the, the road, just to mark out the, st- the edge of the road, they'd paint it white just for the coming of the general or the, or the royalty. They'd get the, the windows clean. They'd put all the best uniforms on. They would get ready for this person to arrive. And that's what the town crier did, and that's what this herald would do. This herald would be an evangelist that would announce the good news that the king's on his way. Of course, you also have to get ready for the king. It's good news for some people, but if you're not ready, it's bad news. So get ready, the king's coming. But also, if you uh, won a military victory, you'd send an evangelist, you'd send a herald to take the news to your city to say, we won. If you remember the story of the Battle of Marathon in Greece, some of you know, they won the battle and they sent a runner 26 miles to declare the news that they'd won the victory. And he arrives, he declares the victory and he drops down dead. Now That doesn't happen hopefully too often in our marathons today. But uh, there's one guy, he was dressed as a, what was he dressed as? He just finished his six days. A gorilla, yeah. Six days it took him to run as a gorilla on the marathon. Amazing. Um, I had a friend who ran it, and he he beat his own time by by 30 seconds. It was two hours, 36 uh, minutes it took him. He's a really good runner. 
But the marathon runner, that, he was a herald. He was an evangelist taking the good news. Now, <clears throat> we know there's a victory. It's the cross. Christ defeated the enemy. Christ defeated sin. Christ defeated death. Christ defeated the devil. So we're taking words. What the Bible does, it takes words from everyday life, political life, and says, look, there's this new ecclesia, ecclesia. There's this new group coming together. There's a new message of victory. And there's a king in town. Amen. Yes. That's evangelism. There's a king here. There's a victory that's been won. What about the word for worship? In Greek, liturgia. Liturgia? Liturgia? The teaching. Okay. Well, what I was told was that in the modern Greek church, I think that's right, all the scent and all the business in the church. If you go to a Greek church, that's what they call the liturgia today. Or the teaching, the paraphernalia, the incense, the chanting, the songs. But in Greece, before the church began, before Christianity, it meant public works. So if I wanted to build an aqueduct to bring water to my town, I would do some liturgia. I would do some liturgy, be a public works. I'd raise some money. I'd build an aqueduct. I'd build a, a, a grain store to store the grain. Something for the public good. Not about religion. The church took that over and it became our word for serving God, for doing a service of God. So everything that we do is a service of God, whether that is going to the school with Allison, with a school's ministry, whether it is uh, the signs and wonders, healing on the streets, whether it is uh, working with elderly people, whatever it happens to be, is a liturgia, it's a service of God. It's not actually necessarily religious. It's about the whole of life. Another word, we talk about the kingdom of God, Basileia. That's right, the Basileus, the king. That's right. So we're talking about the king, Basileus, and Basileia, the kingdom. The Roman Empire was called a Basileus, Basileia. There's another kingdom around, and Jesus is announcing God's kingdom coming onto the earth. A man called Helda Camara, who was a bishop in Brazil, he said, When I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. When I give food to the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. He was a bishop in Brazil. In uh, Ephesians 3.10, I just want to get into the Bible now. It talks, Jesus, Paul says this. God's intent was that now through the church, the, through the ecclesia, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. The purpose of the ecclesia, God's ecclesia, not just the Athens town council, but God's ecclesia, God's assembly, God's church, is to make God's manifold wisdom, the word in Greek for manifold means multicolored, God's multicolored wisdom, make it known to the heavenly rulers. So God creates a new kind of community, a new kind of entity on the earth. And it's not religious, it's not about religion. Yes, we sing songs to God. We can sing love songs to somebody that you love. It's not particularly religious. You love somebody, you sing a song. Other cultures do that a lot more. They just break into song. 
to celebrate something happening in the family, something happening in the village, something happening in the extended family. It might be a new child, just break into song, do a dance. It's kind of much more than kind of the English kind of society where you might just get a little card pushed through your letterbox uh, anonymously, you know, saying congratulations, you know. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of not Bible culture. But, so it's not necessarily religious. It's about celebrating something. It's about working for something. It's about making something different happen on the earth, a different kind of community. Now, the Roman Empire was there, and most of the time in the Bible, God's people, the Jews in the Old Testament, the church in the New Testament, lived under an empire. And the, in the Old Testament, you've got the Egyptian, you've got the Assyrian, got Babylonian, Persian, New Testament, got Roman. Today, we might have the American Empire, Chinese Empire, used to have the British Empire. Good job it's gone, but anyway. Some of you might disagree with that. But um, empires are there all the time. And God's people are a different kind of community, different kind of society, portraying a different kind of life. It was great what you did at the beginning of that kind of thing with the square and the stuff about the other kids and the different kind of stuff, because that's like lifestyle. It's the kingdom lifestyle. And so we're called to live out a different kind of lifestyle in the middle of this world. In, uh, <clears throat> in 1 Peter 1, you see, okay, let's think about it for a minute. I'm going to contrast here for a minute. Um, Ecclesia, a bunch of people called out to gather together. We talk about the gathered church. You're gathering, you're meeting. So that the Ecclesia is they're called out to gather. So the Ecclesia is a, a group of people who've gathered together, I mean, called out to gather together. But at the same time, because we're living under empire, 1 Peter 1 verse 1, he starts off his letter, and he says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles, scattered. And he says, scattered in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. So we're gathering together as a different kind of community to show the world what God's multicolored wisdom is like. That's why we're here, to demonstrate that. At the same time, we're gathering, but we're scattering. We're gathering, we're scattering. We're gathering, we're scattering. So you go, we go from this place to where we live, to where we work, where we study. We scatter. And we're still God's people even when we've scattered. We're not just God's people here when we gather on a Sunday or here for good or whatever it happens to be. We're God's people all the time. And we're scattered. And the word for scatter is the word diaspora. Now those of you who have come here from other countries are part of a diaspora. It might be the Nigerian diaspora. It could be the Indian diaspora. And you spread throughout the whole. You might have extended family in Canada, you know, New York. It might have extended family all over the world. Sometimes you meet up because there might be something happening, a wedding or funeral or birth of a new child or whatever it is. So it seems to me that the, the diaspora communities, those of you who are from other places and have got family in other countries, you are examples of the early church. You're what the early church was like because you've got people all over the place. And the early church was scattered into different countries, different places to represent God in those different places. They were scattered. They were dispersed. They were diasporaed. They were spread out across the world. So there's a rhythm in our Christian life all the time. We're gathering, we're scattering. We're gathering, we're scattering. We gather together to, to receive battle instructions. It's like the army. 
You're on parade. Some guy tells you, this is what you're going to do in the battle tomorrow. This is your battle orders. Here's some instructions on how to, how to operate your, 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 your weapons, whatever it is. That's why we gather together. That's the purpose of gathering together. It's not just some optional extra. Um, you know, it says in Hebrews 10.25, to not, not, not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but to encourage one another. And all the more, as you see the day approaching, there's a purpose for gathering together. You see, when we're together here, we can't really affect many people because we're just all here. When we're scattered, we can affect more people, but we're also weaker because we're just on our own. So we need that rhythm coming together, scattering, coming together, scattering. That's part of what church is, is what Christians do. We gather, we scatter. We gather together, strengthened. We scatter to represent God. That's our purpose. Wherever we're going, whatever it is that we're doing, in our regular jobs, bus drivers, doctors, teachers, cooks, cleaners, (coughs) whatever it happens to be, we're representing as we scatter. So this is a rival uh, community. In the Old Testament, well, in the book of Acts, it says that the Old Testament Israel, book of Acts uh, 7.38, it says, uh, God was in the assembly in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our ancestors, and he received living words to pass on to us. The assembly in the wilderness where the, where the law was given, ecclesia. The Old Testament people gathered together to get the law were Ecclesia, they were a community of people called out from the nations. We're called out, the early church was called out to be different from the Jews and the Gentiles. They were called a third race. A third race. They were Jews, minority, Gentiles, majority, and they were known as these two racial divisions in the ancient world. The big racial division wasn't black and white in those days. The big racial division was between Jew and Gentile. Because only the Jews would not conform to what the Gentiles were telling them to do, namely worship Caesar. But when Christians came along, they attracted people from both camps, both Jews and Gentiles. They were known as the third race. And in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 32, Paul says, don't cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the ecclesia of God. So the ecclesia is different from all the social divisions that we've got in our world. We might come here from different national backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, different linguistic backgrounds, but we are the ecclesia of God. We're the church of God. We're the people of God. We're a new thing on the earth. People from different backgrounds, different races, different ethnic uh, traditions coming together to form a new kind of community on the earth. That's what God wants to do. Now, when I said the church, the ecclesia, exists to declare the manifold, multicolored wisdom of God, that word multicolored, they don't mean race. In the, in the Greek there, you know, black and white. But it means something to us, doesn't it? Multicolored. The multicolored wisdom of God. All different races together, all different peoples together, representing God, declaring to the world that prejudice, nationalism, hatred, has no place in God's world. And we're in a time when We've got a society and an international situation where xenophobia, racism and prejudice is on the up. Where governments and national rulers are spouting prejudiced statements. We're in, we're in that state at the moment. We don't know where it's going to go. But the manifold, multicolored wisdom of God, it's our job to declare that. 
that people matter, that there's not actually any divisions. Or there shouldn't be. There are divisions, but there shouldn't be. Because God brings people together into one community. The ecclesia of God. Called out from all the different kinds of people in the world to be one new people. It doesn't mean we stop being different. We bring our contributions. We bring our distinctions with us. But that's what God's building. Through my ministry in London, we've, done, we've tried that with different churches, multicultural churches, different traditions, meeting together, elevating each other before God. And it's an important part of the witness of the church. It's not an optional extra. It's actually essential for the church, particularly in London, to be that kind of multicolored, uh, interracial community. But there is a challenge. There's a pressure against us. If I say, Jesus is Lord, that might seem to you like a bit of a religious statement. It's an easy thing to say. It's not going to cost us anything. But you and I know that in the time of the Roman Empire, if you said Jesus is Lord, it meant that somebody else wasn't Lord. It meant Caesar was not Lord. That's what you were saying. You were saying, Jesus is my Lord. He's my king. Caesar ain't. He's not. I'm challenging it. In Acts 17, 7, again, it says that they're accusing them and they say, Jason, they say, Jason has welcomed them, these Christians, into his house. They're all defying Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, one called Jesus. That's who we're loyal to, not Caesar, not the empire, not the structures of power and domination to put people down and oppress people and are prejudice against people. We're serving a different king with the ecclesia of God. That's my primary loyalty. I have a loyalty and an obligation to the United Kingdom, so I will be voting. But my primary loyalty is to God's kingdom. That's I'm a citizen of heaven. That doesn't mean I'm a citizen up there, I'm going to escape from the earth. The whole idea of the Bible is that God brings heaven down to earth. And if I'm a citizen of heaven, it's to try and bring heaven onto the earth. Now that might be through praying for, de- for deliverance for people. There's a lady I knew, she was uh, depressed for 15 years. She's in a church I was leading in, in East London. She'd been depressed for, for 15 years. She was on medication. And I was just talking to her once. I said, how are you doing? Very, very low. I said, okay, I'll, I'll come by and see you. So I went around, and she told me something that she'd never told anyone else because they would think she was nuts. Every night, she's lying in bed, and every night an old man came and sat on the chair in her bedroom. Not a real old man. I mean... A spirit, a ghost, a duppy. Oh yeah, she's from Jamaica, yeah. So every night for 15 years, this spirit being came and sat on a chair, visible, looked like a real person, just came in and sat on a chair, didn't say anything, just sat there all night. It would drive you crazy, wouldn't it? It would be a bit disturbing, you know? Now she didn't tell the doctor because obviously the doctor would just think she's a bit mad, you know? So I went back, <clears throat> happened to be when there's a Jehovah's Witness friend visiting, so I didn't, we went, I went around the whole flat, I prayed for this, I anointed this, uh, holy oil and that, water on that, to, got the chair, smashed it on the floor, I didn't break it, I smashed it on the floor, and all that kind of stuff, crazy stuff you do when you're praying against evil spirits. And um, she, was, she wasn't fine, but she, she began to get better. She reducing the medication and getting better. After a week or two, I said, has it come back? I just wanted to check, is everything okay? She says, came back once, she said. I thought, oh, no. She said, came back once. I was in bed, and I, could, I couldn't see it, but I could feel it pushing me down into the bed, pushing her down, pushing her. I said, what did you do? She said, I told it to go in the name of Jesus, and it went. Isn't that great? Uh, 15 years. 
Depression, clinical depression, being treated, medication. One intervention, set free. One intervention. Now that is the freedom of God coming. That's the kingdom. That's the ecclesia. That's the, the rule, the basilea of God against the rule of the enemy. It might be protesting against racism. That's also the ecclesia. That's also the basilea of God in action on the earth. It could be signs and wonders. It could be political social action by the church. Whatever it happens to be, we're extending the realm of God. We're extending what God wants to do on the earth. See, Augustus Caesar, one of his titles was, he's the emperor, right? Okay. Augustus Caesar, one of his titles was Son of God. One of his titles. Well, you know, you said Jesus is the Son of God, right? Okay, that's a challenge. Jesus comes to bring us peace. Sounds like a nice religious message. It's a nice inner peace. I just feel this peaceful feeling and we're worshipping God and it's so lovely. And I just, I just kind of sit down and go, oh, the peace, so lovely. The Roman Empire claimed to give peace. Anyone heard the phrase, the Pax Romana? The Pax Romana. The Romans would claim, we've conquered all the Mediterranean. It's at peace. Let me read you what one of the historians, a Roman historian, Tacitus said, about his own people. He said, they make a desert and call it peace. They go in, they destroy the town, they destroy the city, they kill everybody, and they say, it's at peace. Hey, we did that. It's peaceful. No problems. You know, everyone's dead, right? Okay. I mean, that's how they made peace. The Pax Romana guaranteed peace wherever the Roman Empire went. What kind of peace was that? What kind of peace is that? That's the kind of destruction. That's death. Jesus came to bring peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And it is not just, I mean, I love it when the Holy Spirit comes down and you just think, Ooh, you know, and all that tension just kind of goes off your shoulders. You just go, oh, it's great. I love all that. And, um, but you know, we need peace on our streets. Six people were stabbed this week on the streets of London. Near where we live, there's a number of stabbings of young teenagers, different gang things. There's a family just round the corner from where our church is. One of the families that had acid just thrown in their face. Nobody knows why they did it. Some people just threw acid in their face. Huh? Why? Don't know. Don't we need peace on the streets of our city? In the London borough of Westminster, when I was there uh, ministering, the council cut all of their detached youth work. Detached youth work is work on the streets with kids who are not clubbable. They won't, they're, they're, they're so disorganized and rebellious, whatever. They won't go to a youth club. They're just on the street. They cut all of their detached youth work. The only detached youth work was being done by our church. We only had two people. Now, all the youth work in Westminster has been cut. I mean, everything. There's no youth work being done. Where I am now, the youth work's being cut all the time. There was a whole community center where they had youth work closed down. Uh, so we've got a project now taking a little bit like uh, Joe's uh, music, Joe's um, uh, project with the football, what's it called? Kick it? Switch it, switch it. Same kind of idea, but going on to the different estates in the area, doing football with some of the, the guys there and trying to draw them away from crime into good stuff, but also introducing them to Jesus as well. So getting out there, while the state, while the local government is cutting all the youth projects, who's stepping up? What churches are? Ecclesia, Basileia, the called out people. Not just to do religious stuff, 
but to do stuff in our world to see change happen. And when we become a Christian, we don't just get saved. We get saved for a purpose. We get saved to do stuff, to make a difference. That may simply be, simply, but it may be in our families making a difference. Because we need healing, we need salvation in our families. We need reconciliation between the generations. Because there's all this pressure against us. How am I doing for time? I'm all right. Thank you, Femi. He says it's okay. Okay. Um, so. All this Pax Romana, son of God Augustus, Caesar is Lord. They'd have carvings. Has anyone been to any museums, like the British Museum, you see carvings from ancient Rome. You'd be going through a, a, a door, they'd be carving over the door, and it might say, you know, Augustus, the son of God, Caesar is Lord, Pax Romana. That's all propaganda. You'd be going through the street, you'd see a bit of an inscription, and it'd just be part of your daily life. You might not pay a lot of attention to it. How much attention do you pay to advertising billboards as you walk along the street? Not a lot, but it's there, isn't it? It's there influencing you just do it just do it you know just do it that's kind of message subliminally beamed into your subconscious because you're worth it because you're worth it so you know you should you should have whatever that is not going to advertise but because you're worth it that kind of saying it just comes in and you know what i'm talking about because it's just advertising it's in the background it's influencing us all the time the internet free advertisements coming in and they tailor those on your mobile to your search history you get the advertisements that you are interested in because they monitor what you're interested in. It's no accident. I remember getting this stuff on Facebook to, for middle-aged Russian women. I don't know why. I said, don't send me anymore. But, <coughs> you know, I was middle-aged. I was a bloke, you know. Obviously, they're going to They tailor stuff to you, whatever it happens to be. And it's there to influence. You might think, I'm ignoring it, I'm ignoring it. But it just goes in slowly, subtly, and influences us. That's why we need to gather together. It's why we need preaching. It's why we need Bible study groups. It's why we need to get into the Word. Because there's a one set of propaganda coming against us. And we need a different set of propaganda from God. We need to take that in. You are being this... That's fantastic. It's making more sense than I am. So it's great. It's great. Um... You are being, and the people that you know, are all being discipled. Church leaders talk a lot about discipleship, you know, following Jesus. Everyone's being discipled. Everyone in the whole world is being discipled. What by? Who by? All the slogans, the advertising, the political messages, they're coming in all the time. The news, the news is selective. There is false news, fake news. But, you know, it's all selected. And we're here to give a different set of alternative truths. The truth is that Jesus is Lord. The truth is the kingdom of God is at hand. The truth is that we are the ecclesia. We're a bunch of people, strange though it may seem. When you look around and you think, us? Yeah, actually, we are the light of the world. You and me, with all our hang-ups and all our problems and all our inadequacies, we are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the ecclesia of God. We come bearing hope for people. With all our brokenness and all our woundedness and all the things that we're ashamed of, even as Christians, we think I'm still messing up in that respect. I haven't conquered that yet. I'm still ashamed of that. I wish I wasn't doing that. We are still the ecclesia of God. We're still the ones that have been called out. Because it's all about grace. We were singing about it earlier on. Grace is real. We come to God and we say, God, I've messed up. 
I want to be part of what you're doing. Let me be part of it in just a little small area. It says, God says, Jesus says, I'll build my ecclesia and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will build my ecclesia. I will build my church, my gathered people, my called out people. Woeful though we are, I'll build it and the gates of hell will not overcome. Now, you've probably heard this before, but gates don't move. They might open a shut, but they don't move. They don't attack you. You're not going to go along the street and say, oh, these pair of gates just attack me in the street. We attack the gates. We storm the palace. We attack the enemy. We see people set free from evil spirits. We see people set free from addictions. 50% of Christian men admit to being addicted to pornography. That's the ones that admit it. There's probably more, isn't it, right? 40% of women, don't know about Christian women, 40% of women watch pornography. I think it's a man's problem, it's a woman's problem too. Because there's a dopamine rush when you hit onto those, you click on those buttons and you get that click and you get that dopamine rush from what you're seeing. It's a chemical release in your brain. It's actually a physical chemical addiction from pornography. It's an addiction. And it's put out all the time. So teenage girls wear a t-shirt saying, porn star, right? Teenage girl wanting to look like a porn star. The sexualization of youth. It's not just about a moral question. It's a political question. It's about our society. We're the ecclesia of God. We need to live different ourselves, be set free ourselves, and then help others to be set free. I have a friend who set up a charity to look at uh, online safety for children. And he was, he was called on by governments as a consultant to go into meetings to talk about safety for children online. Straight into the corridors of power as one of God's people. You may not get that, straight into the corridors of power. Some, people, some of you do, sitting over there at the back, these political meetings you go to. I see that on your Facebook page. But God will give you a sphere of influence. This is my, just my final point. Every single one of us has a sphere of influence. Think about yourself with a circle around you. And in that circle, there are people. And so my circle, I'm moving around, I'm going to work, I'm, I'm, I'm going, to, going, to, going to college, I'm going home. I've got a circle of people around me, and I am a person of influence in that circle. Now, you may have a different circle with different people. You might have a bigger circle than I have, okay? A larger circle of influence with more people in it. Okay, but everybody has a circle of influence. All of us do. And as we come together, and as we scatter, we come together, we scatter, we are enriched, we are encouraged, we are empowered by being together. We scatter, we go out, we take our circle of influence with us, and we can take that kingdom, that Basilea concept, that lifestyle that was talked about by Scott right at the beginning, we can take that with us into our workplaces. And we can begin to be the ecclesia of God, that alternative community. Not like the empire, dominating, controlling, ruling, spoiling people. But we have a different kind of lifestyle and we represent it. I have a friend who is a filmmaker and he just said one day, he wasn't boasting, he just said, oh, people don't swear when they come into my studio. He's an editor. They swear in all the other studios. He doesn't say, don't swear. They just walk in and they shut up because he's a Christian. And he carries that anointing with him. And he has a circle of influence. And they see that he isn't doing it, and they don't do it. Now, if, if you find people swearing in your presence, I'm not trying to put you down. But I'm just saying that's his influence, where he is. 
And you will have an influence where you are as the ecclesia of God, as the basilea of God. So let's just pray together. Father, I want to thank you that you called us, each of us, to be part of your ecclesia, part of your community, your, your town council, to work for your basilea, to work for your kingdom on the earth. And Lord, I just pray as, as your people, you will help us to, to be those people of influence, wherever you put us, that Lord God, we can influence others, maybe to become followers of you themselves, but also to have lives transformed and lives changed. Lord God, thank you that you've done this, not because of us, because we're, we're, we're worth it, because we know we're not worth it, but it's your grace towards us, Lord God. It's your free gift, and we thank you for that. We ask you to help us to be people of grace towards others. Amen.